y'all we are back with another edition of the dnvr draft podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook i'm justin michael we've got dre here we've got hank here we have got jake here the whole squad is here and we are going to be doing draft grades throughout the afc going to be talking about some of the best value picks talk about some of the guys we wish denver would have ended up with i talk about some of the bad picks as well before we jump into that how's everybody doing kind of a kind of a slow week in terms of news. Like I feel like we're in that slight lull period after the draft happens and like in between mini camps starting and all that, I guess the Broncos rookie mini camps about to start. So it's going to pick up again, but how's everybody enjoying the, the momentary, I guess, just break before we just go balls into the 2023 class. I am very much enjoying the break. Uh, after like watching the that, by the way. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Just enjoying the break, man. It's good to be talking draft. Um, probably my favorite part of doing the draft actually is this stuff we're about to do, kind of reviewing the whole classes and giving out grades and everything, kind of uh, talking about what we would have potentially done in some of these guys' shoes. Uh, let's have some fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I feel like, because the thing is, like when, when you're getting ready for the draft, everybody listens to this podcast. Now we're back to just the diehards. There's a lot of people who don't give a crap about what we say anymore. And that takes the pressure off of us. And we get to just have fun. We get to talk about Dre's new cat muffin sock. That's that's all I want to hear about. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and I mean, who knows? This is kind of a podcast for the diehards for a minute now. So uh, hmm. we get to diehard it up. We were mm-hmm. just talking some... Uh, some transfer portal here. That's always fun. I was looking at some rookie of the year odds. I've been doing my Devi dynasty league draft. So got in on Bryce young while all the other rookies had already been taken, uh, just took Drake London third overall in another dynasty draft with Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker going one and two kind of surprised by that. So, uh, yeah, it is, as, as you guys have mentioned, the lull's been nice. The Avs gave us a little extra break, which is nice as well. And we just get to kind of digest this draft. After all, it was a, a whole year of breaking it down and giving our opinions. Now we get to really see what the NFL thought of it and kind of see where we deferred and where we line up and take those lessons with us into the future. And by into the future, I mean, we'll all have forgotten this within two weeks. So that's always good. 100%. <laughs> the cycle never stops, but uh, let's jump into it. Let's let's start with the AFC West. I think it's probably the most logical way to go mm-hmm. about this. I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, we're going to talk plenty about the Broncos, but I feel like the Chiefs killed this draft. They just, they land Trent McDuffie at 21. Obviously, they ended up trading up. Um, they didn't get one of those top receivers which we kind of speculated might be something they were interested in instead they go with Trent McDuffie and George Karlaftis and then they get Sky Moore at 54 just an awesome value pick guy who's going to fit really well into what they want to do little bit a little bit worrisome I feel like the Chiefs everyone thought they were going to go for the the flashy sexy guy and instead they just kind of racked up a lot of really talented football players 
Yeah, hundred percent. Um, ended up grading out six out of 32 in terms of total RAS score, um, a weirdly kind of, they had a weird relationship with the uh, Patriots in that draft where they traded with the, uh, each other twice. Um, they traded up for McDuffie and then they traded down for Sky Moore. Um, I hate how much I love this class, frankly. Uh, Brian Cook, Leo Chanel in round two and three. Also, Darian Kennard round five. Um, yeah, man, it's a solid class. They get a corner. Whether he's not, he's shut down. He can at least be like a top tier uh, slot corner. Um, they get another strong presence on the edge in Karlaftis. Uh, so now him and Frank Clark are going to be defending the run and they're going to be throwing tackles to the side. And then even though the receiver core has been weak and Sky Moore was one of my guys. So, um, yeah, that's about all the nice things I want to say about this now. <laughs> it's uh, de- for what the value and depth they were able to gather up. It's a really impressive class. Now, on a per pick basis that should also have been expected because you have two first, you have two seconds. I mean, this, this is how this set up. So they've definitely raised their floor at, at their worst injuries were to happen. Something were to happen. They are much more set up to succeed now than they might've been last year. Their peak at their best. I think this is still a lesser team at least next year than they were a year ago. And that's obviously it all comes down to the sky Moore pick and replacing Tyreek Hill. And what a game breaker that was to have Mahomes's arm with the spacing and threat of Tyreek Hill's verticality and what that did to open everything out. Now sky Moore is a beast. Uh, One of the, the themes of day two of the draft to me is how the hell did sky Moore drop to the chiefs how did the nfl allow this to happen how did guys like wandale robinson go ahead of sky Moore? man it's pathetic it's truly like sad and disappointing but sky's no tyree kill um sky's a beast but he's more of a, a slot guy and juju probably better suited as a slot guy too and and now you're really relying on Nicole hardman to be that spacer well, it's kind of like the Tennessee thing we brought up, right? Everybody kind of wants to slot Traylon Burks as a 1v1 replacement for Brown. And it's like, yes, they have some similar traits in terms of they're both big guys. They're both freight trains when they get moving. But it's not, he's not the same guy, at least not yet. You know, he's not the polished route runner. That's my dog. Nice. <laughs> that was a very Nikola Jokic moment. Wow. That sounded like a bomb sirens. There. <laughs> sounded like death. <laughs> yeah. um, what the hell? But then when we get <laughs> into the <laughs> yeah, for real. When we get into the defense, um, Karlaftis really fits that Spags D right. He's like perfect, like Frank Clark is, like Justin Tuck was, like Michael Strahan late in life was, um, because he's he's that power rusher who can go inside, go outside, and he's really going to create that interior pressure. He's going to F you up if you're a tackle when he's attacking your inside shoulder. McDuffie's such an interesting fit, though, because this is one of the more man-heavy DB coverages in the league, and he's a zone guy, right? Mm -hmm. Does he have the length to stop a Keenan Allen, a Mike Williams, um... Jerry Judy, even Judy, Jerry like, Judy. Yeah, I mean, Portland Sutton, Patrick, like Patrick. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, the Raiders have a little more size Darren Waller. If he's now going to be 
in that, um, you know, honey badger slot role. So where McDuffie, who they moved up for slots in, is one of the more interesting themes of this draft as well. And uh, that's the guy in your territory, Hank. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a great pickup. I think um, it just, I mean, that's a need for them. Like you just got to shore up that secondary. They did that. They get their pass rusher. They get somebody who can add to that receivers room. Um, you, you go through the top 100 picks and count Leo Chanel in there. It's like, yeah, these are good solid players who should be contributors. But what really makes the class is when you get down even lower, you know, picking up a, like a Darian Kennard in the fifth round. That's, that's incredible. Especially yeah. like, it feels a lot like that sky Moore pick where you're like, how does he fall to 54? It's like, well, if I was, if I was drafting for one of these teams, I'd probably be nitpicking him. They're like, yeah, he is kind of small. He's, he's whatever. But when the chiefs sign off after they do what they did with Tyree kill, it's like, oh, wow. What were we thinking? This guy seems like a monster. Same thing with Darian Kennard, where it's like, looking at the way the Chiefs just rebuilt that offensive line and the way they've drafted recently. it's like, they see Darian Kennard as a value in round five. It's like, of course they do. How could you not just this big guy? Who's like a puncher, like UFC fighter type. And, and if he winds up being a starter two years down the line, plus you have all these guys. I mean, that, that cancels out a miss. Like if, if you miss on sky more, that's fine. If Darian Kennard pans out, like they just did such a good job hitting everything that they need, put, giving themselves competition in that secondary and, and also just getting some solid players all the way through. Give me a grade. Anybody that you want uh, on Denver, is there anybody that they landed that you wish was a Bronco as well, but everybody give your grades and your favorite pick. <laughs> yeah, it's hard yep. day. It's Kennard. Kennard like, just knowing he was there in the fourth. I would have loved him in the fourth. Yeah. And I mean, not the greatest system fit, right? But I mean, if you could sub him out for the center from Washington, you feel a lot better about the value, depth, and competition that was added Mm -hmm. to the offensive line at arguably a bigger need spot right tackle than center is, where I always felt a guy like Glasgow could maybe be moved at center to compete with uh, Kush. You never know. Maybe uh, Minerts, Moody could, could take some snaps. At center, you don't have as many alternatives at right tackle. Kennard played at least the position at an all-SEC level, albeit not super consistently. To me, it's an A-. minus. I mean, they did what they had to, five top 100 guys with five top 100 picks, right? And then the end of the draft, day three, when you look at this class, it's one of the few that almost look like a, a draft simulator. Mm-hmm. But how you replace uh, Tyreek Hill's the big storyline And to me, they had a better package to offer than Detroit, who moved up at 12 to get Jamison Williams. Did they not do that because they were worried Jamison wouldn't be available the first few weeks and they're in a win-now window? And will they come to regret that two, three years down the line? Because he was one of the few real, like 90% like-for-like replacements of Tyreek. So I like the class. They did a good job but they are missing that extra margin. So it's an A- minus for me. You do wonder if they're going to go make a move, like bring in an OBJ or Jarvis or something like that. But, but outside of them doing that, I'm with Dre. Like that's the one thing you look at is, did they do enough at receiver? They got a great value at receiver, but they didn't get one of those top-tier guys. I'll do the same thing and say A-. minus. I'll give them a B. Um, yeah, I mean, the Tyreek Hill trade has to play into that and a lot of those picks ended up being traded to new england actually which i mean fair enough 
Um, but yeah, solid enough guys. They did the same thing with Trey Smith last year, what they did with Kennard. They took him mm-hmm. from day three when he was falling. And now all of a sudden he's like a staple of their offensive line. And we credited them for that pick too. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that was, did. I remember going on the pod and not being like, man, I can't believe they landed Trey Smith day three. I'm going to give him a B as well, because I, I think Dre's assessment was spot on. I think that their floor is probably raised. I don't think their ceiling is raised. They had five top 100 picks. They get five top 100 guys. I think they did everything they were supposed to do, but they didn't go above and be average. They didn't have anything where I was like, man, I love that pick. Like I I like a lot of these picks. I like a lot of these players, but when I look at a lot of them, like I like Carl Aftis, he's probably my fifth or sixth favorite edge though. You know, I like sky more. I think there were six or seven receivers better. You know, I, I just think there were better options in terms of what they need to replace. Overall, though, really, really solid. Uh, let's move it over to LA. Let's talk about the Chargers. This they got a lot of love, and it kind of surprised me. I don't think they had a bad draft class or anything like that. I just thought it was kind of somewhat uninspiring. But um, I'm curious to see what you guys think about this one. I think Zion Johnson at 17 is a great value pick. Maybe a little high for him, but he's a guy that I think you know probably going to start for you day one. I like Isaiah Spiller at 123. Wouldn't have loved him earlier, but I think the value you get there there, and I like how he can pair with Eckler. Mm-hmm. A lot of the the day three guys, though, I was a little bit less familiar with. I mean, they took a fullback out of Purdue. Um, I do like uh, Jamari Saylor, the, the Georgia guard, I believe is Ooh. his name a little bit, but I don't know. I, just, I thought this was kind of an uninspiring draft class, which is re- relatively a theme for the Chargers over the years. Yeah, to um, me, they kind of salvage it with Spiller and Salier in day three, two of my guys, you know. Um, Spiller was kind of one of our guys. And, yeah, the criticism is he's not a great receiving back. Well, you've got the best receiving it, back yeah. in the league or at least top two or three to pair him with. And he's definitely an upgrade to uh, Josh Kelly and the other guys they had running up the gut. Zion to me was a bit of a surprise because we felt the bigger need was right tackle and taking him over Trevor Penning or some of the other options at right tackle was surprising. Um, We'll talk about some of the other AFC contenders, including the chiefs who we just talked about, who were able to find good value at right tackle. And maybe they found it with Jamari Salier, who to me was one of the stars of that Georgia offense, the left tackle, right. And that left side of the line really was dominant. Um, But yeah, outside of that, it's another AFC West team loading up on corners. That's just like a theme. Ogbanya, the defensive tackle from UCLA, did some things. I didn't think JT Woods was a great value pick. Um, So the, you know, the first two days, they only have two picks. And Zion Johnson, JT Woods, meh. They kind of salvage it with some of those day three picks. So it's, it's an average draft. I, I think to some extent, it's more of a B minus you could have done a little better here, um, but the, the the day three value does really help it. So yeah, it's all. I mean, it's all about that day three. When you when you have pick seventeen seventy nine and next is one twenty three, like there's only so much flash you can have. Um, and I really like it. Point. I think the offensive line has been an issue for them for so long that spending a first round pick on it. Why not? Especially when you have your receivers, you have a bunch of guys on defense. You don't need an edge rusher. Like, yeah, go get somebody who can just raise the level of everybody else on that offense. Um, so I, I really like that pick. JT Woods, again, kind of a reach. Isaiah Spiller, I mean, 
he was my second best back. I think he's one of the two backs in this class who can be just like a full-on bell cow, carry the load um, type of guy behind Brees Hall. Um, at 123, I think that's an incredible value. Now, how does he fit with Eckler? I mean, I think, I mean, it reminds me a lot of like the Melvin Gordon Eckler thing. Like they play very similarly in my eyes, and you kind of get another shot at that. I was surprised Eckler's only like 26. Uh, I feels like he's older than that, but I, I do think that Isaiah Spiller just becomes a bell cow there. And third downs, you bring in Eckler. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys talked about the others. Ogmanai, I think that's a really good pick at, at 160. Um, Jamari Salier at 195. I mean, you could call him fringe top 100, and I wouldn't mind that pick. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's only so much they were capable of with the picks that they had. And I think that just about every pick, I think they got good value and a good player. So what's your grade? Um, Give it B plus. Yeah, it's a, I mean, if they didn't take some of my guys, it's definitely a worse class. I mean, they took Zion Johnson, they took Isaiah Spiller, they took Salier. That's the reason I yep. like the class mostly. Um, I gave it a B minus. I felt like that this team probably could have added another receiver. And with the way that other teams in this league have been adding receivers, I would have kind of liked to see them be more aggressive, at least in terms of getting a speed element. I mean, Jalen Guyton makes some plays, but um, he's not a premier deep threat or premier speed guy in this league. And outside of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, that's they don't really have much. Um, but with the Zion Johnson pick, you kind of strip the offensive line a bit, although right tackle is the weakness and Spiller coming in. Um, I mean, that's exciting. Uh, so yeah, B minus just solid. It feels C plus. I'm going to be a little bit harsher. I don't think it's bad. I just think with this whole draft grade things, then I get it, especially like with the written ones, because you don't want to be on the screenshot five years from now where people are like, look at this draft grade you got, but ever nobody's like, nobody ever gets a grade worse than like a B on any of those. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was boring. Like, I don't think it was bad. C's get degrees, but it, it just, it didn't excite me very much. Um, go ahead, Dre. They clearly have a type, right? They value IQ and don't really give a crap about length. It's, uh, I mean, back-to-back years, Zion Johnson, Slater. Uh, but we were, when we were mocking this pick, it was like, oh man, they're just set up to get a stud at 17. Um, and it's true. Yeah, like, and it just, it, he's great, but it was just like, like eh, really like zion you had a top well, 20 pick and i think he's great but trevor penning know. dropped in their lap jermaine johnson dropped in their lap carl aftis mcduffie's still around like it did feel like they left some talent on the board and then your other i think we mocked jermaine johnson to them mm-hmm. so we we almost got that one right devin lloyd's still around like there are a lot of picks where we're like shit the chargers did it again dude dropped to them and they just took the best player available and killed it this was a little more eh. and i'm not sure they really addressed any of their primary needs like right tackle tight end linebacker even a little more edge depth considering all the injuries they've had there none of those got addressed so um you want to stick with the b minus you want you want to come on down with me to, to bold territory give them that c plus Honestly, when I wrote it down, I'm realizing I had a B plus because uh, Spiller and Salier were top 65 guys for me. Mm-hmm. So I can't. Wow. Fair enough. Those two picks are good. So I, I like it. I'm probably being a little too harsh, but let's have some fun with it. Let's talk about the Raiders, who were one of the weirder classes because 
they didn't pick until number 90. Um, it was probably nice for their beat writers, like just chilling, you know, maybe playing some craps at the casino, hit the, the pool out there. They got that new fancy sports book that you can sit in the pool and watch. I want to hit that next time I'm out there. Anyways, they, uh, they end up with Memphis guard Dylan Parham, um, a guy I like, but number 90. Then they also get Georgia running back Zamir White, uh, LSU defensive tackle Neil Farrell Jr., uh, Ohio State tackle Thayer Munford at number 238, probably pretty decent value there, although he's a guy that I think his, his projection dropped pretty significantly over the, the course of the year, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I feel like a, a relatively unsexy draft class, but I like a couple of these guys. I like Zamir White at 122 a lot. It looks like they're planning ahead. That, that's what I see, especially like with the two running back picks. Second pick is Zamir White. You finish things up with Britton Brown. It's like this is a team that is not about to pay Josh Jacobs. Uh, and not that I think we expected him to pay big bucks for Josh Jacobs, but this does look like, okay, let's load the cupboard up. That way it's not a major need next year. And who knows, maybe one of these guys pops and you just get really excited about it. Or maybe you do whatever. But I, I, it seems like there's stuff like that. And I don't know what's up with their defensive line situation, but I'd imagine taking the fourth and fifth round defensive tackles, it's probably something similar to that. Um, I will say though, Britton Brown, Pac-12 guy, he was a monster. I mean, Zach Charbonnet gets a, a lot of the hype from last year, but Britton Brown was doing the exact same things. I mean, this is back-to-back years. He put up over six yards per carry as a big power back, which who knows what that's going to look like. Between him and Zamir White, you know, one of those two, I'm confident, is going to wind up being a solid weapon. It's kind of like looking at uh, the Chargers and it's just like, yeah, you get Isaiah Spiller. That's a guy who's going to bug Broncos fans for a long time. And I think the same thing about Zamir Britton Brown. Do we factor the fact that they went out and got Chandler Jones into this equation? Because obviously that kind of makes the the need to land one of these solid edge guys less. I don't know about Chandler Jones, but you definitely have to factor Devontae Adams into this. Um, yeah. They spent 22 and 53 overall. Um, sent those to Green Bay. That actually ended up becoming Quay Walker at 22, and then 53 was traded to Indianapolis for Alec Pierce. Um, I mean, come so that's on. The, I <laughs> You've know. won that trade if you're the Raiders. Yeah, I know. Um, the only thing I think they have to think about, though, I mean, they did pay Devontae Adams to be the highest uh, paid wide receiver in the league. So yep. you, they paid you Crosby, to too, right? Didn't they give him a big deal? Yep. Paid Crosby, paid um, uh, Chandler Jones also. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a top heavy team though, isn't it? Which is mm-hmm. with this draft class is, is interesting. Um, I mean, I love Zamir White. He, he was one of my favorite running backs. Matthew Butler's an intriguing guy to Tennessee, the defensive tackle too. Um, I guess it's also worth mentioning. They have sincere McCormick, the UTSA running back. They took him as an undrafted free agent. So, I mean, it's a solid class. He's a stud um, by the way. He was very productive last year for starting at 90th overall. It's not bad. Um, they graded out 31 out of 32 in terms of RAS. So not a very athletic class, um, but for starting at 90, it was solid. I give, I give it a C. Yeah. I'll throw B minus out there. Just, I mean, there's only so much you can, I don't want to penalize them for not having picks. I feel like I kind of am, but at the same time you go through and it's like, what, what did you really do though? Like they which got one Devontae of these Adams. Are? That's what they did. Well, yeah, but that's not a draft pick. I'm yeah, sorry. But it's, guys. it's the same. The Broncos argument with Russell Wilson. It's like, yeah, we yeah. could have got a top 10 pick, but instead they used it to go get Russell fucking Wilson. Yeah. But that's, 
that's why you, to me, you grade these on a per pick basis. It's why the Chiefs, you can't go too crazy about them getting yep. five top hundred guys with five top hundred picks. That's again, like that's you did what you were supposed to. Um, the Raiders got four top hundred guys with one pick in the top hundred. Uh, that's the best value draft for my board of this, this entire 2022 class and no division grades out better for me than the AFC West, like by a mile. And that's already coming off an off season where this division was an absolute killer. To me, the Raiders had one of the best off seasons period of anyone in the NFL, adding Chandler Jones, adding Devonte Adams, keeping Darren Waller. Um, and look, farm was getting mocked in the top 50. That was rich for me, but he was definitely a top hundred guy. Getting him at the end of round three is great. Zamir White to replace Josh Jacobs, amazing value. I really liked Zamir in the fourth. Neil Farrell's a beast. Neil Farrell's going to be a presence first and second down. He was an absolute truck at the Senior Bowl. Matthew Butler, insane upside. I mean, and Munford. Munford's incredible. This is a team that wasted a mid-first on Alex Leatherwood a couple years ago, and now they're smart enough to go and get Thier Munford, similar profile, similar tier and pedigree coming into this last season. You get him in the seventh, man, this is a slam dunk. Five draftable guys, four in my top hundred. And then you got Britton Brown, who Hank's talking up. To me, they nailed this. To me, this is an A without any discussions. Wow. I like it. I'm going to give him a B plus. I'm going to give him a B plus, but... I, uh, I think they nailed it. I'm not quite as high on some of these guys, but I mean, when you just look at the value, I think they played it pretty well. And ultimately, I just, I don't know. Like like we said, can't really penalize them for not having picks when they were able to go out and get Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. And and they kept their top priority free agents on top of that. So like Hanks, or uh, like Dre said, just really good off season. Did you guys give your grades for the Raiders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Broncos then. They're the moments we've all been waiting for. Um, yeah. Not all at once, though. We got Showing into this enthusiasm. a little bit last week, right? Um, mm-hmm. Am I sounding better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. you're good. And to me, this is <clears throat> it's similar to Chargers and Chiefs, where it's like you took care of business. You get a right. solid B here because Betonio and Dulcich are great values. Um, and then Benito, uh, Benito. who's Antonio? <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's two top 70 guys with only with barely two picks in the top 70, right? Um, or in the top 80. And then day three, you don't get any top 100 guys, you fill out your roster. I talked about how, um, you know, what a stark difference it was day three a year ago to day three this mm-hmm. year and how it really shows the Broncos are on a win now um, mode. So it's, it's a B. It's a B for me. I'm getting more excited about Damari Mathis. That's the one pick that's really like rising for me. And just the versatility, like the fact that you, you could see him playing safety, you could see him playing in the slot. Like it's, we talk about room for error a, a bunch, like margin for error because he can do those different things. You know, if the man coverage doesn't quite get there. So, I, I mean, I do st- start to think like with Damari Mathis, there is more upside there. Um, Uzurike, that's another one where I do think there's some upside there. But yeah, I mean, I'm still where I was basically a week ago. Where these are 
you're patching up your needs, you're, you're building depth and you're, you're going to have the chance to kind of have this as the back end of, of your core for the next few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, Benito's a good pick. Dolchich is a good pick. B plus. I think a B plus overall. Yeah. I mean, it's a class meant to build depth outside of the top two picks, which you're hoping can kind of become impact guys in Benito and Dulcich. Yeah. Um, and it's all positions that they needed. I mean, they needed defensive backs. They took uh, three total. They needed some bodies on the defensive line. They got two guys there and an edge player. You got yourself a tight end that can make some plays in the passing game. You got your returner. I mean, it's kind of just taking care of business. Uh, there's a few of, other classes that we'll get to in this conference that are similar. Uh, so for that reason, I just gave it a B minus. I mean, you just took care of business. You kind of shirted it up. Um, but I mean, maybe in these situations, it's almost best to kind of just, you know, look modest after the draft because then if anyone pops off, then all of a sudden the class just looks that much better. Last week, I probably was leaning more towards B minus. I've come around a lot on Turner Yell, the Oklahoma safety. I think he's a thumper. I like, I like if he gets coached up. I just the instincts look like they're there to me. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Versatile yeah. fits. He'll he'll be useful in sub. He'll be useful in teams. Right. He he's a football player who belongs on a fifty-three man roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, Uwozarike a lot too, the Iowa State defensive tackle. And we we already kind of raved about him last week. Just the ability to create pass rush from the interior, and he's a sure tackler. He's a big old dude out there. I mean, he. Uh, I just think a lot of these guys are not necessarily like the flashiest guys, but like we said, it was re- really more just about adding depth, and I think they did a good job of that. Benito falling to them at sixty four is awesome. He could have easily gone around fifty. Dulcich could have gone a lot higher than 80. I was surprised him and Trey both. Um, I thought Trey would go right around 50, and then I thought Dulcich would go closer to 60, but it seems like yep. they were willing to wait on the tight ends, um, and, and that's fine. It worked out well for Denver. I, I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it's a solid, just a little bit above average. Probably would have been a B if I didn't come around on the, the Oklahoma safety and Uwuzurike, but I, I like a lot of those picks, and We'll see kind of on, on some of the other ones, you know, like you hope Wattenberg pans out the Washington center. You hope that Montreal Washington can be something, but yes, you just he, have no idea. Super fun to watch, but it's just, <laughs> oh. it's tough to forecast. Like, yeah. like Hank brought up, you know, he might be another one of those speedy dudes that just gets his ass kicked and can't hold on to the football. We'll see. Or, or he's KJ college, but, you know, like I, yeah. that, that is kind of one of those picks where it's just like, He's either going to be incredible or he is. We're not going to hear from him after like eight months from now. Right. But you're okay with that in day three, oh, totally. right? Like, I mean, at this, it's, they're just kind of, they don't have a true kick returner on the roster. So, like, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of worth taking one and seeing if it pans out. And if not, you release them and maybe you can, you know, find a veteran receiver off the street to bring in just to return punts or, God, just have them fair catch the football at this point. I don't even, just don't fumble. Did you guys see, I mean, with how high guys like Danny Gray and Wondell Robinson and what have you went, mm-hmm. Montreal, where they took them, I thought was really nice value. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw the Broncos YouTube um, thing on their channel, you know, with the behind the scenes on the draft and everything. Yeah, those on, are great. They are so great good. stuff. On the Vitonio pick, they are debating a Benito. stat. stat. Benito, thank you. That's <laughs> that's so fun that I my brain is now doing that to me. That's yeah. really 
hopefully it's just today. Hopefully the this isn't like for the next 12 I years. I kind of want to call oh, it Petonio no. now. I like it better. Petonio, great sack. Let's hope it's the best. It's the next 12 years, Henry. Absolutely. Who does, who does Joel Tonio play for now? Do we get this matchup Joe, this year? Joe Batonio. Joe, is it? No, it's Joel. Joel? Yeah, we're okay, not. Well, you don't get to correct me on names. He plays for the Browns, so we don't get to see the. Browns. It would still be. The Browns. I want to see Dre's head explode when the Batonio tries to block Benito. Benito Batonio <laughs> will be a fun matchup. Um, I would venture to say that stack linebacker is Troy Anderson, and was yeah, taken off. Absolutely, the it could have been Chad Muma, and they're still debating it. But it felt like they're debating it in the picks leading up mm-hmm. and then once they get to their pick there was no more debate it was like okay our the one of the two guys we were debating's left boom this is the name they kept bleeping out is this what you're talking about yes. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I can imagine it that's that's a tough one like i'm curious what you guys think would you rather have benito or troy anderson because i've i've had some sleepless nights benito by a mile i think so was, yeah past trash he was like 20 plus spots ahead on my board. Um, yeah. Right. It's, it's the, it's the tool. And dude, I will keep saying it off ball in, in that kind of underneath coverage, Benito might be better suited than on a lot of these off ball linebackers. Um, I, it, you know, I guess the thing that leaves me wishing for more is I felt like we talked about with the Raiders and chiefs, there was some value on the offensive and defensive line they could have taken advantage of and didn't. George Payton talked about the depth at edge uh, for weeks leading up to the draft. I would have loved to have seen a couple more edges on day three that kind of dropped, you know. Um, The flip side of that, though, is that that depth is what pushed Benito to 64. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you rather have Muma or Dulcich, though? I'd take take Dulcich just for the need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick on Nick Benito, him. though, he's kind of like the opposite of Trevon Walker, right? Where I mean, he knows how to rush the passer. You just kind of have to develop everything else. Whereas Trevon sure. Walker, athletic freak, could play all the way up and down the line, but doesn't really know how to pass rush. I mean, Nick Benito had the second best pass rush win rate of all edge prospects, which is a translatable stat. I mean, yeah. if you can get after the quarterback, you can get after the quarterback. So I, I. Again, the more I think about him, and I'm not sure if this is just me being a, a Broncos fan, but the more I think about it, it's like, how is he still there at 64? Oh, because then it's like, what if he does just get a little bit stronger? What if what if he adds whatever 20, 30, 40 pounds to his bench press, and then all of a sudden, like, he's not getting pushed around. And on top of that, he's still slipping the blocks that make him a fairly effective run defender at this point anyway. Like the the path for him to be a really good football player is not all that narrow. Hundred percent, especially in the context the Broncos defense will be able mm-hmm. to put him in. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, and you guys might not care, so I'll say it quickly. I downloaded the roster on Madden, the new Broncos roster, and tweaked a couple things to make it work. I've been running this four-three under. So you have Gregory and Chubb on the edges with Benito kind of playing that role he played in college. Yeah. I. It's just really hard to figure out how you get these guys on the field because you really do want them all on the edge. Yeah, I wonder if in a division with Herbert and Mahomes, he could actually play some spy from time to time. Yeah. He's just like you're assigned fourth or fifth rusher, but he's going to go on a delay and spy the quarterback yep. first. Or sit in the middle if there's a cross or whatever. Yeah. 
also, if you get ahead in the chains in any way, too, you can just run a straight up NASCAR front, man. Just put four pass rushers on the field and just go after him. And, and with Grandy Gregory, like if he's going up against a guard, he can, he should be able to beat that guy. You know, even if he's not trying to get around the edge, it's just who do you who winds up getting pushed inside? Well, so that like Benito has to be on the edge. Like he needs to just be speed is, rushing around the edge. You know. This is why the Uazurike pick could be a huge pick. I mean, a guy that big can take up a double team, and if he can pass rush, I mean, then that just adds to kind of your theory there of really just trying to get pass rush on the field. Yeah. I mean, what was it, nine sacks last year? He had a good amount from interior defensive line. That's yeah, that was pretty impressive. He's great in pursuit. Uazurike, to me, hmm. when he looks a little more slimmed down, and I mean, he's he's hard to block. Like he's gonna disengage. He's just too big and strong. He's just not super quick and not gonna get there. A little lighter, you can see the difference that it makes. So um, much like I was ranting about Royce Freeman's uh, weight years ago, yeah, that's another one to watch. He can stay around the 300, 310. I think he's got more juice and interesting to be more productive as a pass rusher. That's interesting because I see him and say like, "You're so big, like you're so strong, like you're." People need to get hands on you. What is he like six six three twenty or something like that? But he still has like quick feet. He's the quickness for that size. It's like, oh, you're getting by. Like, do you get up to like three thirty or so and be that Doma Tepeco? I hadn't thought about going the other way, but that does make sense. I mean, he's got kind of that skinnier lower body too. He's, yeah, he's a little top heavy. So I mean, if you can kind of figure that out, then for sure. I like his hands. And, and just the one thing that I'll bring up as, as far as the edge guys, and I mean, you hate to everybody knock on wood if you're listening to this podcast right now, but, you know, Bradley Chubb has an injury history. Yeah. Randy Gregory has That's a suspension true. history. I know it's been a couple of years. I'm not trying to wish ill on the guy. But, and that rule's gone. Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, he's not super healthy even right now, right? And That I mean, is more concerning. Yeah, Benito's a huge upgrade over um, Malik Reed. And what could a future pairing of Jonathan Cooper and Benito be, you know? Um, sure. Cause they, they do kind of compliment totally. each other. Nice. So we're all in with the Randy Gregory. Uh, just cause I was going through these numbers for the Madden league. So there's the suspensions, which he's missed a bunch of game for, but the rule that he was breaking is now gone, which is nice. But the, in terms of injuries, he's been available, like non suspended for 60 games and he played in 50 of those. And that's a pace of like in a 17 game season playing a little bit more than 14 games. So yeah. you still don't like love it. And he is dealing with the thing now, but I do. Brad- Bradley Chubb scares me a lot more as well. I'll say. I think that's fair. fair. Like I said, I'm not trying to paint this as like, Oh, look out. Gregory's going to blow it. But when a guy has a hist, I mean, for a long time, you had to say that about Vaughn even, you know what I mean? And then it reached a point to where he just, you trusted him. It didn't matter anymore. And hopefully Gregory can do that here in Denver. Do you guys want to give out uh, any last thoughts on the Broncos? Anyone from the free agent class stand out to you? There's a, you know, stud. Cortez Davis, the Hawaii cornerback is really athletic. He's nice in man coverage. Got good hands. I like his ball skills. Um, There you go. A little bit undersized, but you know that's Mountain West corners in a nutshell. So we'll we'll kind of see, but I think there's that's potentially a really nice addition there. Love that. Uh, Kanai Mauga, the the linebacker from USC. He's a he's not really a cover guy, but 
I mean, if he was, then he would have gotten drafted. You know, it's he's he's one of those. I Nate Landman, Carson Wells is going to be playing off the ball. Like those are the sorts of guys who fall, even though they're talented and can stop the run. I'm curious if he can find a way onto the roster. Got a good bonus. He's intriguing. Oh, did he? Okay. And then Allen out of Bama, you know, I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he, he was top 50 on my watch list entering the season and then it just didn't happen. But I talked about the disappointing them not getting edge depth uh, later on day three, you know, Kingsby and Barre borrow out of Virginia tech who blew up the combine would have been intriguing. Getting him as an undrafted free agent does make me feel better. I didn't the upside re- certainly there. I didn't realize that they picked up Eric Barrier, the the quarterback from Eastern Washington. He's been he was like the FCS quarterback of the year the last two years, yeah, like dude. by a wide margin. Like he's he's undersized and he's I I hadn't thought about this, but he he is built a lot like Russell Wilson. Plays a lot like here's my hot a lot take. more than Rippin. Oh yeah, he's knocking Rippin oh. and that uh, Johnson guy off the roster. I think Barrier gets the backup quarterback job, or at least at least at least oh. three. I love that take. He's on the roster. <laughs> you fucked me up. Seriously, you guys need to go back and watch what oh, he he's does. A, his it's numbers insane. are redonkulous, and oh, I'm yeah. all in on Eastern Washington. But your eyes will bleed if you have to watch that red field. So that's <laughs> oh, true. It's, watch it's, him on the road. Atrocity. Watch him at yeah. Mon- Montana. Oh. <laughs> I am actually super hyped about this. This guy, it, this is basically another Troy Anderson for me. Like I'm it's been F this guy, F this guy, F this guy for, I mean, four years, but no, he's, uh, he can play. Jake. Um, I don't really have anything to add other than the Bama linebacker. I just think it's interesting that they added the tight end Dylan and Parham out of NC state. And then the Raiders drafted the, uh, the Memphis guy, yeah, similar Donald. name, and and then and then the Chargers have Donald Parham, the t- the tight end at Sunday out of uh, uh, Tulane, I think. Yep, the freak seven foot tight end. Yeah, the Parham fam. That's We're gonna right. move on. We're gonna talk about the rest of the AFC. I'm gonna talk about DraftKings, but real quick, since Hank keeps bringing up Madden, uh, not the most encouraging sign in the world that when I started a Madden franchise and signed Josh Johnson, he retired in preseason for the season even started. <laughs> um, just throwing wow. that out there. Yeah, the NBA playoff action nonstop over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets if they do. If you want to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, try the same game parlay. It's where you create your own parlay with multiple bets from the same game, you could do point total, threes made, total rebounds, whatever you want. Boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with two, or excuse me, with three or more legs, and you are going to get a free bet back up to $25 if one of those legs doesn't hit. Love that. Love the shot at redemption. If you're in a sports book and your parlay doesn't hit, what do you do? You tear up your ticket, you're shit out of luck, move on with your life, it's done. Not a DraftKings. If you come up close, they're going to give you another shot to. Take a cut at the plate. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. Again, that promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You've got to be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, we love their seltzers. 
you guys wouldn't believe how bad of a time this is. So my girlfriend wants to go to the to the Rockies game on Sunday. Just got the email of like the nine ninety nine Hot Rocks lower level tickets oh, for too. the weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And so I get the email and it loads, and then I gotta say this, and it's like, oh shit, somebody's gonna take all the good ones. We're gonna sit. Way but, but point is, Breckenridge Brewery, I'll be drinking all of the Breckenridge beers at this Rockies game on Sunday. Who knows? I mean, these deals work for, is it for tonight? They might be for tonight, too. Now that I think, I'm not really sure. I didn't pay much attention. If that's the case, I'll be drinking more Breckenridge beers tonight. Uh, also, what, the Avs probably start on Monday? Drinking the Avalanche Hopefully. for that. Avalanche, Amber Ale. Uh, ooh, it's kind of nice when they play the Blues because that's like a beer place. Like half the beers oh, yeah. I feel like are from there. And so it kind of turns into this beer rivalry where we all have right. to rep Breckenridge and I, mean, I have just bad Breckenridge. News for you. Breckenridge is owned by Anheuser-Busch based out of St. Louis. Ooh, betrayal. Anyways, well, we're taking a, a new angle here. It's a friendly rivalry <laughs> within the same family, right? We yeah. all know that. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. I'm, go I'm, Breckenridge Brewery. Go the Avalanche, one, the beer and the team, and uh, drink it when you watch them play. And the Rockies, too, because you have to be drunk to watch these losers. Oh. Well, and what's awesome about Breck <laughs> is right now, they want to hook up somebody in the Avs community. Go to uh, like me? breckbrew.com and nominate a community star for an opportunity to get free tickets, gear, all kinds of stuff. Breckenridge hooking up the Avs oh community. Oh. Um, I feel like that's We love true. them. They're I the absolute be best. I kind of does feel like Henry is a community star. I, I, it, he does fit to a T, you know? That, <laughs> yeah. What are they looking for? Well, <laughs> if I was, I to don't know, choose... like nurses, teachers, <laughs> firemen, oh. that type of thing. I have people taught. that don't tweet for a living. <laughs> um, well, son of a bitch. Not Go nominate someone, guys. Breckbrew.com slash Breck gives back community stars. You can nominate someone. They're going to get a bunch of free gear, free abs tickets. They are doing this every single game in the playoffs, every single home game, I should say, including the Stanley Cup. So our friends at Breck, they are a part of the community. Check out that Breck beer locator as well. Uh, the new hard sodas are out. If you can't tell, I stand Breck Brew. Also, I got a bunch of useless information because my girlfriend works there. So I'm just, I'm just going to spew it at you. I have to listen to it. So do you too. Let's talk about the rest of the AFC. <laughs> yeah, let's. Yeah, you're married into the Breck Brew family. You always got that inside. Wow. Family. Oh, you just. <laughs> I feel like I'm bought in at this point. Yeah, you are. You are. Give somebody enough money and all of a sudden. Literally in family. your blood. Um, Ooh. If I were to pick someone to navigate me through the country. I think I'd go Justin, but it'd be a it'd be a pretty close tie between Jake and Justin. Oh, it's just like, not Hank. Hank, dude, you'd not. be like, we gotta stop at this cornfield, and then there's this thing over here, and we gotta go. I wouldn't stop at a cornfield. I'd stop, but I wouldn't example. stop at a cornfield. Once we enter to FCS country, Hank gets to navigate, but... <laughs> which famously is spread just right. as widely as the FBS country. But we... <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you get to the Dakotas, it's like, oh, okay, exactly. Um, <laughs> North, there you go. The only other AFC team aside from the Raiders to get a full A for me is in the AFC North. Well, let's well, start with it. Then. There. Which team gets an A? I mean, Baltimore. Guys, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I figured, but give you the chance to explain it. It's the only reason I keep doing this because my grades line up with Baltimore. So something's going right. Um, we did talk about how they went like counterintuitive 
so much of the NFL really went position value heavy. They kind of said like, all right, have at it. Take your corners and edges and wide receivers. And we are going to trade a wide receiver and we're going to load up on centers, nose tackles, box safeties, um, and oversized offensive tackles. The value they're able to bring home though is insane. Six top hundred picks for me. Um, and you know, we're just going to grade them on the value of the picks, but one of those extra first is gotten not from trading Devonte Adams or Tyree kill, but Marquise Brown. Um, so I kind of count that higher. Is he even a top 30 receiver in the NFL? Oh, don't get me started here. Borderline borderline. It's close. I'm not saying he's awful, but I just borderline. mean the fact that they gave him a first round pick for him when you could have had, I mean, call Tennessee. What are you doing? It's a tremendous point because he's not even a top. He's he's arguably on the bubble of being a top 30 receiver and you gave up the 23rd pick. Um, that, that just doesn't jive because those top 30 receivers aren't all worth the first round pick. Yep. Now, with how the market's gone, maybe they are. Um, the only caveat I'd throw in there is just that, like he pointed out, he wasn't really being used the way he thinks he should be used. And so if you all if if sure. you actually do run him downfield more and he's getting open and, and catching those big play, well that's how you go from a thousand yard receiver to a fourteen hundred yard the receiver ball that far down the field. Uh, that's another one of the problems. We'll see. We'll see. Right. Um, but at the same time, I do understand some of the criticisms of people in the NFL and scouting community who are like, "Dude, you guys have gone nuts on Baltimore. They got no positional value." Kyle Hamilton is like a glorified linebacker. It, you know, if you want to play him deep because of his range, you're undervaluing him. Lindenbaum, undersized center. Um, and like the best pick is Ojabo, who might not even play next season. So like, I get it. But at the end of the day, the value just purely on what they did on my board is insane. Three top 30 talents, uh, six top 100 with where they're drafting. If you love college football, you liked the draft. It's like if you watched a lot of college football, you're like, oh, they got Linderbaum, oh, and Hammond, and Travis Jones, and a Jabo, and somehow they ended up with Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely, and a Jalen Armour Davis. It's just like, are just a lot of guys that we've watched a ton over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they just hit value pick after value pick. Like Kyle Hamilton, 14, didn't think he'd be there. Linderbaum, eh, maybe not crazy value, but whatever. Ojabo, good value. Travis Jones, good value. Daniel Falele, I'm a perfect fit for their scheme, and he falls that far probably because... He doesn't fit in everybody's scheme. And so, again, value pick. Charlie Kolar and Isaiah Likely in the fourth. Like, when you have four, four five fourth-round picks, six fourth-round picks. Six, yeah. Insane. Why not use two on tight ends and basically guarantee that one of them's going to pan out? Like, I, yeah, this is an easy A for me. Yeah, this is such a Ravens draft. They did this a couple years ago, too, when they took Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews in the same draft class. They just doubled up on these tight ends. And those tight ends allow the Ravens to be the Ravens. I mean, that's who Lamar Jackson has the most success throwing to. That's probably why they traded away Hollywood Brown, um, because they don't really need a deep threat. If you just keep surrounding Lamar with tight ends and letting him throw over the middle of the field, then you're going to have some success in the play-action game and the run game and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, To the class, though, only 29th out of 32 in terms of RAS, but I love this class. I think Kyle Hamilton was one of the, if not the best player in this draft class, and just standing pat at 14 and getting him is tremendous. 
Um, they traded with uh, Arizona to, I think it was 23, and then they traded back to 25 uh, with Buffalo to get Linderbaum, which, I mean, great value. You just picked up another, what did they get, a third-round pick there? Uh, oh, really? It's I would have guessed fourth. Was it fourth? Did I read this wrong? I think I might have read it wrong. Uh, um, no, I doubt but it. But, yeah, no. just – Tremendous depth players all throughout. I mean, they drafted a freaking punter, guys. They drafted a Penn State punter, um, Tyler Batty, even their last pick, the running back out of Missouri. Another running back to add to their stable and a guy that I think has value as a pass catcher and as a runner. I'm surprised he went this late, actually. I thought he was a day two guy. Um, so, yeah, just love this class. Also interesting when listening to Move the Sticks, uh, Daniel Jeremiah compared Daniel Falele to Orlando Brown, who the Ravens drafted because, I mean, just a massive player that, you know, can just block guys uh, from getting to the quarterback just by being massive and can just lean on people in the run game. So interesting there. Worth the risk where they took him. Just a really solid draft class. I think everybody summed it up pretty well. Great class. A lot of really fun college football players. Solid A. Let's talk about Cleveland who, again, it's kind of tough because when you don't pick until 68, like it's just, you know, you're not going to get the flashiest class in the world. They end up going with Mississippi State corner Martin Emden at 68, which reached to me. They did get on Winfrey at number eight, though, but at that point, it was a great steal. I don't know. I don't love this class, though. I'll just be honest. I gave it a C minus. Where are you guys at? Um, yeah, similar to like the Broncos class where, I mean, they obviously spent their premium picks on a quarterback too. So I guess really similar, um, but they kind of just had to fill out the roster and get depth. Actually, a lot of their class comes from the trade with Houston. Uh, they gave Houston 44 overall who they used to get John Mechie. Cleveland got 68, 108, 124. That ended up being Emerson, Winfrey and Katie York. Um, I like Emerson. I like Winfrey. I like Ford, the running back that they took, I think, in uh, the fifth round, Jerome Ford out of uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, But really, yeah, other than that, this class doesn't do much for me. I just gave it a C. David Bell's an intriguing Jarvis Landry replacement. Um, It's two top 100 guys with three top 100 picks. It's a B minus, C plus. Um, You know, the Raiders are the great example of the best in succeeding without – uh, first round pick they're kind of middle ground i thought the broncos did a better job without a first round pick but they didn't do terrible and they are stacking that positional value even though they do get that kicker in the fourth round yeah i don't know what the hell is up with that seems like some bullshit to me it, it, these kickers never work out <laughs> these kickers like you draft a kicker in a fourth round there's a one in three chance he's going to be on your roster in two three years like, maybe I'm crazy, but I swear that's how it goes. Like, how surprised would we be if this kid just gets cut by Thanksgiving because he misses three kicks in the first four games or whatever? Like, what the hell are you doing? At least with punters, it's like it's not obvious when when things are going horribly. Like, unless you're just, like, kicking the ball 30 yards downfield when you're trying hardest, but that just doesn't happen. Like, punters, the margins are slim. Kickers, the ball either goes in or it doesn't, and if it doesn't go in everybody gets pissed off really fast. So I, yeah, I don't know what's up with that. They shouldn't have taken the punter in the last class either, but I guess you have six fourth round picks. What are you, what are you really going to do? So yeah, I mean, see for the Browns, what the Kate York, come on. He was solid, but it's just, it puts a lot of pressure on you. It's like you said, much more, much more often it's an Aguayo situation than a Mason Crosby situation. Yeah. And 
Oh, even Crosby didn't go until the end of the sixth round, I believe. So it's not even that they took a kicker. It's that they took a kicker in the fourth round. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. And that's again, I gave him a C minus. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. Um, Oh, one more side tangent, just because we're talking about specialists and I won't make it a long thing since Baltimore drafted the Penn state punter. uh, It was four punters got drafted. I think in total, none of them were Ryan. I know. None of Okay. I, I will enjoy all of them failing, including <laughs> the punt god, who everybody loves to cream in their pants for, to watch him outkick his coverage and then allow the other team to run it back 30 yards at you. It's going to be great. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. They, uh, they take Kenny Pickett, number 20, first quarterback off the board. I get that they need a quarterback, but this felt... I don't know. This felt a little forced to me, kind of like they were like the hometown kids here. Like, we're going to get the good PR. Let's just do it and see what happens. There were a lot of really talented football players that they could have added that just like day one are going to start for you. We'll see. I don't know. Kenny Pickett, uh, we'll see. What's crazy to me is after the senior bowl, I was saying how much he reminded me of Baker and Baker going through the process. Baker's available, guys. He's right <laughs> there, available to all. Um, yeah, it's not a great pick. This is more than any other draft. We talk about this every year. It's that draft where if you just like reverse to the picks, it's like, oh, shit, they got yeah. Pickett in the third. They got DeMarvin Leal, top 20. If I show you Leal 20, Pickens in the second, and Pickett in the third in like – September, you're like, damn, Steelers killed this draft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What's your grade? Uh, for me, it's going to come out to a B, B plus because it is three top 50 guys. I wasn't the highest on Pickett, but he was still in the low 40s, right, on my board. Um, I think he'll have some – like I compared him to Baker. He's not that bad. Um, and four top hundred guys, like at the end, it's, it's not a bad class, but it's one of these classes where you, you did a good job per my board, but I just look at you and I feel like, man, did you, do you have a more consolidated identity after this draft, after this off season? And it sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And the other thing with Pickett is it's just so hard to grade that pick because it feels like. Yeah, you probably could have gotten him in the third because that's where all the quarterbacks went. Maybe the entire NFL agreed that there's Pickett and then there's everybody else. And it's just so hard to say. If, if everything was flipped, if they take Malik Willis there and, and Pickett slips to the third, then people are fine with it. They're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Oh, but so that pick is really tough to grade. I feel like you have to figure out where you stand on that one and build from there. And I think like I'll give it just a solid B. Like that pick is a B because... But would we be surprised it happened? They needed a quarterback. They're one of the few teams that just doesn't even have any options there. That's a B. I like what they did with Pickens. I like what they did with Leal. That bumps it up to a B plus. At the same time, like you look kind of like Dre was saying, like the identity. You got a tight end when you have a tight end. You got a couple of wide receivers. You got defense. Like you didn't really build a football team. You just seems like you kind of grabbed some guys. Um, so call it just a B. We'll, we'll go with a B. Yeah, I give it a B minus, uh, ranked 24th out of 32 in terms of RAS. Uh, one of the teams that actually had no trades. And then, yeah, of course, Kenny Pickett's going to 
be the one who makes or breaks this class. Also, this is Kevin Colbert's last draft, isn't it? So they're hiring yep. a GM now. Yep. Um, so this could be we could see a change in kind of uh, draft philosophy, um, say goodbye to these second round wide receivers that just come in and be studs potentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did it again with Pickens, just waited and got one of the best receivers um, in terms of ceiling at 50 something. Uh, I think everyone here had Pickett as quarterback one, if I, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like, okay. So, I mean, it's not like we didn't, like Kenny Pickett, it's just right. in terms of true ceiling, um, which is interesting to say because talking to Mike Tomlin, uh, DJ Move the Sticks said that the reason that the Pittsburgh Steelers liked him so much was because of his floor, which I don't know. When you talk about quarterbacks, that's an interesting thing, I think, to yeah. mention. Um, but, yeah, just a B-minus class. I mean, you could have some impact players and the guys we all talked about, Leal Pickens, uh, Calvin Austin maybe. I do think, though, like, typically you're not drafting a quarterback for his floor, but what do the Steelers need? Just somebody to literally play that position. Like, give him an excuse to not have to run Mason Rudolph out there and let him lose him games. Like, I think they spent a first-round pick to say we patched the hole, and who knows, maybe maybe he'll develop from there. But But they're kind of married now. But they're married now is the thing. You kind of have to live out this rookie contract with Pickett. You don't really get to flirt around with the free agents or whoever comes available via trade, let alone trade up in the draft. You're kind of stuck with this guy now for four years. We'll see. At least. Uh, maybe. We'll see. I, I Especially with like a new GM and stuff. Like, well, Good point. It, in the past, that's how it's always been. That's definitely yeah. true. You get a quarterback without giving any future draft capital. So, I mean, trades sure. could still... You are still the Steelers. There's going to be appeal if like... I, I don't know, name a like Derek Carr gets like once out from the Raiders, something like that, you know. Um, it's an interesting class. It's interesting. Steelers, Pats have gone high floor quarterbacks back to back years. Yeah. 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 So I, mean, I mean, those are two of the coaches you would probably trust more than just about anybody, in, at least in terms of yep. being competitive and winning. I'm not sure. You know, Belichick is like a QB guru or Tomlin, is here, right. but and he, they know and, what's going to not lose you games. And so right. ultimately, like he can do that. And the Steelers doing this is a pretty good endorsement of his hand size and how he'll handle that weather. Yeah, no doubt. Because well, I no, just brought that up, too. But it's yeah. like, I mean, he literally played at Pittsburgh, I guess. Yeah, it's just I don't, it feels a little bigger uh, ball. And they, the share, they shared the facility. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. they've they've hammered away on that question before they used the twentieth overall pick. The other uh, high floor quarterback that's been drafted, Davis Mills. Maybe the Texans know what they're doing. Okay, can we I wouldn't go? go that can we far, talk? But... Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Can we talk? Can we go to the south? Can we talk about? The we got to do the Bengals. Class? We got to do the Bengals, uh, quick, and then we'll go okay. to the south. We'll go fast because we're we're going too slow on some of these teams, anyways. Uh, Cincinnati takes Michigan DB Daxton Hill at 31. There was some buzz that they might go Trey McBride there. I was hoping so. Uh, Dax Hill makes a lot of sense. Could have probably added to the offensive line as well or added a corner based on, you know, some of those needs, but they go and get the Nebraska corner Cam Taylor Britt at 60. My favorite pick of theirs though, is actually the the Florida defensive tackles at Carter, who they got at 95 good value. Um, that Florida defense was weird watching them last year, but 
he was one of the few guys like outside of Kyrie Elam that I found myself kind of glued to at times. Other times he also kind of disappeared, but a 95, I really like it. I don't think this is the greatest draft class in the world, but I don't think it's bad. I give it a B minus. Yeah. Two top hundred guys with what? Two top hundred picks essentially. Yeah. No, three top hundred picks. Yeah. It's a B minus. Um, it's interesting. The team that was able to value Cheeto in the NFL, Chidobe Owusie, obviously, uh, doubled up on two players who that would have been my comp. Cam Taylor Britt, uh, where it is maybe a little buzz uh, that the Broncos were interested too, but they needed corner and they tripled down on versatile nickel guys. So how they make that work is going to be really intriguing. I do like the two edge guys, Gunter and Carter, though. I think there's some value. They're good fits. And even the North Dakota State offensive tackles are uh, yep. intriguing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a B minus. It's a very Cincy type draft, but the, there's a philosophy that lines up more so than the Steelers who kind of felt like, eh, all right, we'll get some decent players on our board. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a total win now draft. Like you bring in Daxon Hill, you bring in Cam Taylor Britt. What's your weakness? It's that secondary. Like you, you are out of those two going to get a, a solid player this season and maybe more. Um, so, I mean, I really like that aspect of it. Zachary Carter, I mean, they were solid in the trenches. Just keep building there. But then you brought up Cordell Volson from North Dakota State. Like, that's a good upside pick at a, at a high value position in the fourth round. So, so I, I like that as well. Um, uh, I'll go B. The B plus is tempting. I'll give him a B. Um, I gave him a C plus. Just thought it was average. I mean, as I, I can't remember, I think it might have been Henry said. I mean, the biggest need was secondary. They took three guys, and most importantly, they got Eli Apple off the field, which I think is a huge win. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's about it, though. I mean, I, I could have probably, if I was the Bengals, I probably would have prioritized offensive line more because I mean, they really got shredded as they got through the playoffs, even though they won. Um, they did prioritize yeah, it in care business. free agency. Yeah. Well, Collins was a right. massive get, you know, so I get it. But yeah, I, I would have want more pure corner, but maybe with Elam McDuffie all gone by 31, you had to reevaluate. And you wonder, like, Andrew Booth staring you in the face, is it the same thing as the Chiefs and Packers not targeting Jamison Williams because you're worried you're going to have to wait a year? Yeah. Right, you need him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think they did. I think they patched the needs when they are coming off a Super Bowl appearance. So I can't complain. The AFC South, the moment we've been waiting for. The Houston Texans, the most interesting organization in all the professional sports, usually not for what? their competence, though. I felt like they had a really good draft. I, I, I like what they did. I don't like... Derek Stingley at three, it's a risk, but obviously that the upside is is insane. They got Mechie at 44, and when he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. They get Christian Harris at 75, Damian Pierce at 90. I don't think Pierce is a stud, but at 90, I'm okay with it. I, I, I like a lot of their picks. thought it was really solid. I'm giving it a B plus. I mean, you just got to follow the picks here, and it's – Really great work from the Texans. So obviously you start with the Deshaun Watson trade. You get the three firsts. Uh, that first round pick for this year was traded to Philadelphia when they took Jordan Davis. The Texans ended up getting three day three picks for that uh, Philadelphia trade. They trade those picks or two of those picks 
to Cleveland in the trade up for Mechie. Right. So they turned all they turned that one first round pick into a ton of capital. Came away with Derek Stingley, um, Kenyon Green, uh, Jalen Petrie, John Mechie, uh, Christian Harris, and Damian Pierce. I mean, this is a really solid core for a team that's completely rebuilding. I mean, this is just these are all rookie guys that can come in. You know, they don't have the taste in their mouth from Bill O'Brien. Uh, from Deshaun Watson or anything. It's a genuine new fresh start with talented players here. Um, you know, I Davis Mills, the jury's still out, but really depending on how decent he kind of comes along in year two, uh, this team's going to be competing and winning some games, man. Totally. I mean, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, this add talent. Like you put Derek Stingley back there. Like Petrie's a good pick, pickup. Kenyon Green's a good pickup. Like they still have holes. That offensive line isn't ready. Like that, that defensive line, the defensive front isn't ready. But what can you really expect from them at this point? I mean, they're the Texans. It's, they weren't just going to turn themselves into contenders. Um, but yeah, it, it does. I think they gave Davis Mills a chance, and I, I think that that had to be the goal here because he was he was on fire at the end of that season. Like I, I think people have forgotten, but what eight touchdowns, two interceptions, nine touchdowns, two interceptions in the last five games. Yeah putting up putting up a couple 300 yard games in there like with no receivers no receivers completed, nobody around him completed 67 percent of his passes on the season like he kind of i mean everybody remembers the four interception game week two because how could you possibly forget that right. um but from there things really did pick up for him and so you, you give him a couple tools i think i would have liked i mean what is what is mechie this season you know, I, I don't really like that addition, you know, getting him like a big time running back would have been ideal to me, but Damian Pierce in the fourth, like he'll have a chance to fill that role. So I, I think they did a good job. We'll give him, I'll give him an A. Yeah. It's three guys in my top 35, five in my top 65. There's a major theme of like high end recruits who went to the sec and maybe weren't consistently great for three years, but certainly showed the peaks of the kind of talent and pedigree that um, they came in with. And uh, yeah, it's a nice core to build on. Felt good about the Kenyon Green pick. Surprised they would go guard over tackle. But we talked about that in the last episode, how that positional value seems to be changing. Um, and I love Metric. I love Stingley. Uh, it's, it's just a really nice draft so it's uh i guess i lied because this is also a solid a for me so there's another afc class that gets a solid a a minus for me too i'm gonna bump it i gave him a b plus i'm bumping it to a minus just because like we said it's it's not like anybody expects houston to go out there and win the division but you do need to land some of these picks you've got to you know these next couple of years you have an opportunity to basically rebuild this entire franchise from the ground up a lot of these guys, you know, Christian Harris, John Mechie, I think they could be really nice pieces in doing so. I want to talk about Jacksonville because they mm. go Trevon Walker at number one. Interesting, basically going ceiling versus floor in a group of very talented edge prospects. It was expected, obviously, after, you know, everything kind of changed those last couple of weeks. But then they still get Devin Lloyd at 27. They get Chad Muma at 70. They added three freaky athletes to that defense which was already pretty athletic to begin with i don't know if they did enough to improve upon that offense for trevor lawrence and that's my biggest gripe about this draft class 
but I, they, I mean, they just went out and got some of my favorite players and, and Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. So I'm, I'm stoked on it. Solid B. Yeah. Starting to rebuild that front seven or uh, yeah, the defensive front seven nicely uh, with some cornerstone guys. Um, that's really it though, with the class. I mean, Luke Fortner, the center out of Kentucky and whatever Snoop Hunter out of Mississippi, the running back made some plays every now and then, and then they draft two corners at the end there. Um, you know, just trying to load up on trenches, I think is the theme obviously. And it makes sense when you play in a division yes. with Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry. Um, and then, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet, but Houston just drafted Damian Pierce. These are hard hitting, like hard to tackle running backs. Mm-hmm. So you kind of rebuild that front seven. Uh, they're kind of zigging a bit when this division is zagging. Uh, I give it a B overall. It's pretty solid. I mean, it all depends on Walker. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And again, like Trayvon Walker it does depend on him. Probably a little bit high for him still, but if there was a team that should be taking a run defending edge, the guy who plays Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and all those guys, right. like that does make sense. Um, now, at the same time, would a, they're in this situation because they're a step behind all those teams. And so they're kind of trying to play catch up in that area. And so they're not really building their own strengths to beat these teams. Um, but still, like, I, I agree. I mean, Devin Lloyd, that's a good pickup. I honestly just really sad he has to go be a part of the Jaguars because yeah. nothing good's going to happen there. But I, I, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, three good picks up there. Give it a. I, I mean, with Trayvon Walker going one, I don't think I can go above like a C plus. Man, I I think they had such a bad off season and didn't take advantage of the draft. I love, I mean, I love Devin Lloyd, and I think it's good value mm-hmm. where they got him. Um, but man, this is a team that's already invested in Josh Allen and Clavon Chasson, um, and now you're adding Lloyd and Muma and Trevon Walker. Where's he going to fit on that front? It seems like they're kind of trying to replicate that AFC run from a couple years ago with Bortles and when they slide Ramsey, and they're like, we're just going to be locked down defensively, and now we have a real quarterback, and he'll make up for the holes that we don't, you know, that we have offensively, but it just feels short-sighted. Huge jump. Yeah, yeah. they're not. And, I mean, they've added to the O-line, but have they added well? with Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson as your tackles. And then, yeah, I hate the Fortner pick. It seemed like the Devin Lloyd um, trade was a bit steeper than some of the other trades that were made right around that range. Though credit to them for um, supposedly stealing Devin Lloyd from the Pats and forcing the Pats into reaching on Cole Strange. Thank God. Um, But yeah, I just, I kind of hate it. It's uh you only have one first round graded player with two first round picks. That ain't great. You have three top hundred grades with four top hundred picks. This just ain't it. You really had to capitalize on a window and you weren't able to. It's a C minus for me. At the same time though, that might be the linebacker group I'm most excited to watch. Like when you're talking Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Kayla Von Chasson, they brought in Foye Luikun, who again, Pure tackler, that's a kind of a great fit for what they need. Josh Allen, like it is a little too, I mean, it's too many, but you wonder right. if they're just going to stay in that 3-4 even when they're going up against 11 personnel when they're playing. They better. Against, like, because Devin Lloyd to. can be that yeah. hybrid kind of slot defender type. I'm excited to see how they use them. I, I don't love the strategy, but I am excited to see how they use them. What was your grade, Dre? C-. 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 
Trey, let me ask you, if if you took out Trev- Trevon Walker and you put in Ike McQuanu or Evan Neal in that first overall pick, do you feel oh, yeah. much better about this draft? 100%. It's at least a solid B to B plus. Like you took care of business with maybe some margins for more. Um, yeah, it seems to me there, there's too many edges. You have Josh Allen Chasson and you add Walker and Lloyd might, you know, Lloyd to me was a top five ed, like pass rusher in this class off the edge. That's keys on that roster. <laughs> right. I, what are we doing? Eh, Broncos, Broncos have Gregory Chubb and drafted Nick Benito, which I guess is only three. But when you're talking Chasson, uh, Josh Allen, you throw in Trayvon Walker. I mean, these yeah, are it's number one versus second round pick. But yeah, these are four first round picks in their linebacking core with Walker, Chase on Josh Allen and Devin Lloyd. Four first round picks. Yeah. yeah. And three of those are edges. <sighs> yeah, man, I think Doug Peterson's really screwed. I don't think they know what they're doing over there. This is a mess. Uh. But I love that they're building. They're going big. This is the jumbo division. Everyone's going big, big. Oh yeah. Big. And Tennessee's like they're full blownsies jumbo. Vrabel just wants. Vrabel wants guys who are so big and imposing coming off the bus that they need two buses to fit these dudes. <laughs> Classic football guy move. That yeah, oh. yeah. Their first four picks were a lot of fun. Obviously, Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary. They end up with the Ohio State tackle. Uh, Petit Freire. And then they get Malik Willis at 86, which I mean, is anybody like that bought into Ryan Tannehill and you know his his next five years running this franchise? Like you potentially found your franchise quarterback at 86. We'll see. Obviously, he needs to needs to get developed, but being able to get him on top of everything else they added, I thought it was a really nice draft. And I liked the Michigan running back. They brought in Haskins. I think he'll pair well with Henry. I like Kyle Phillips, the UCLA wide receiver who they got at 163. Amazing pick. A lot of really nice value picks here. Uh, I'm not a variable guy. I don't think he's a good football coach for the most part. Like I, I think he did the one, you know, Belichick time roll thing. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, Mike Vrabel's the next Belichick. I have yet to see that, but I, I like this team's potential next year. And I think if Tannehill is at least serviceable, they should be in, in contention. Let me totally. advocate for a uh, Vrabel real quick, because I mean, I did not like the AJ Brown trade. I did not like taking Burks, especially with that pick. Um, but you traded down with the jets and they picked up Jermaine Johnson in that spot. You end up netting Roger McCreary, Petit Friere and Kyle Phillips from that trade, which is great value. Um, and then you trade up four spots to get Malik Willis with Hassan Haskins. I, I have to wonder with this Willis pick, are they going to try and go like the Ravens route? Are they just going to go like, you know, triple headed backfield and just run the hell out of the football and try and just flatten teams. I mean, they've had to go up against it multiple times uh, in the playoffs too. So in notable situations. And I mean, Derek Henry's not getting any younger, might as well capitalize on what they have now with him. Get Willis in there, just run the read option all the time. I think that's their insurance policy. I think if they get five weeks in, six weeks in, and they aren't excited by what they're seeing with Tannehill, that's an easy change to make. You throw throw him in, run a bunch of read option stuff, and see if it pops. Um, I will say, I they needed more defense. Like I, I think that, like, are they banking on Monty Rice to just turn out to be like a good linebacker who they can start and play potentially like every down? Um, the defensive line 
another piece or two there would be pretty nice. And with the secondary now, they're they're in a good place. But I do worry about that front seven, especially in that division. Although obviously they aren't, they don't have to play Derrick Henry, who's probably the scariest in that division. Other than that minor complaint, though, like Traylon Burks, love it. Roger McCreary, love it. Nicholas Petit Friere, he was one of my favorites. Um, Malik Willis, obviously a great value. That insurance policy in the third round, I mean, plus he might take off. Um, Kyle Phillips, another one of my guys. Like this yeah. to me is a solid, solid A. Yeah, I think from the mere value of the draft class and understanding the context, that kind of colored Tennessee's entire offseason, which is they couldn't even afford AJ Brown because Tannehill's got them in such cap hill, cap hell that they really can't get out. So you're doubling down, you're getting rid of AJ Brown and you're getting a potential Tannehill replacement with a similar skill set. Um, could do a lot worse. It's four top hundred guys for me. It's three in the top 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really good value for a team that didn't have a pick higher than 18th overall and had four picks in the top hundred and lots of needs to fill five draft, six draftable guys. So I really like Kyle Phillips and half. Skins as well, even though they're not top hundred guys. Chance Campbell's kind of intriguing. It's a it's a good draft. It just feels like the Titans are one of these teams who was more trying to desperately fill the needs that it needed to fill because of a tough offseason rather than getting better. Mm-hmm. I th- I would add outside the Nick Petit Frere pick, and maybe with your fourth pick, if that's the only one, then that that's not really balancing anything out, but having a, a young developmental tackle behind Luan and then Dylan Ray Duns who can take over in year two. That that's one that I see is kind of planning for the future. Mm-hmm. But, but outside of that patching holes is probably definitely the theme. And it's a front office learning its lesson. They wasted a, a late first on Isaiah Wilson. Mm-hmm. Now they can yeah. get a similar profile developmental offensive mm-hmm. tackle with high upside in the third. Easy and breathe. McCreary might actually kind of fit that role a little bit too. I, I see him more as like at corner. They have Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden, Roger McCreary. So maybe that is like you, you have four so that you have three who came out. But that it's a bunch of young guys. You might have some. You might have four studs in there. You might have one and some bums. So maybe that is more of a need now type of move, just because you need that sort of insurance. I will say I'm really hung up on the Burks pick. I mean, you could have drafted someone like Devontae Wyatt, who I think would have added more value if you found a way to sign AJ Brown. But um, yeah, I mean, I originally wrote a C plus. I feel like that's a little harsh now. Um, so I'll say B minus. Mm-hmm. I gave yeah. it a B. I don't think I gave my grade officially, but I gave it a solid B. You A-C-E's. need Burks to, to come along quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to have to get um, kind of gimmicky with it. I think they're going to have to do a lot of like quick screens and just ways to. to get him, mm. you know, get the ball in his hands and let him get running. He's just, he's not that pure route runner, but yeah, he's got a, a nice, nice ceiling. I think he could be a very solid wide receiver. I just, if they want him to be a one for one replacement of Brown this year, it's just not going to happen. It's not. No. Um, AFC East. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Wait, the Patriots we, we because the I think they had the, Oh, you're right. You're right. One more. My bad. Um, Indianapolis had the best combined RAS class, and it's an incredible class when you look at the players that they took. Um, You know, for not having a first-round pick, this goes all the way back to the Carson Wentz trade. Um, 
two years ago. Um, that pick ended up being Jahan Dotson, actually, drafted by Washington. Anyways, Alec Pierce, uh, really liked him. Uh, I think he's a nice compliment, kind of a twin tower to Michael Pittman. Uh, Jelani Woods, too, another athletic big target for Matt Ryan. Uh, Ryman, I wasn't a fan of, but, I mean, at 77 overall, sure, sign me up. And then Nick Cross, another guy that I like in the top 100, too. This is a pretty solid class. I give it a B. Yeah, they end up having a lot of top 100 picks despite only having, you know, no first round and what have you. Um, I really like Pierce and Ryman. Those guys kind of carry the class. The rest is very Coltsy, so it's a lot of measurables, guys that kind of fit their culture, fit their scheme. Um, it's a solid B, uh, one of the better classes uh, of the teams that didn't have first rounders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a B. I think a B. I would have loved another receiver. Uh, I think that, especially like there, nobody's in this, maybe not in this class, but where they were picking was going to crack that lineup on defense. And on offense, again, like you get developmental tackle, you get a potential upgrade at tight end. Maybe you look at him as more of a receiver anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's a B. Uh, one, you have room for another receiver to see the field and you're, you're kind of banking on Alex or Alec Pierce to be somebody who can be productive right away. So when you have so few holes, I would have liked to see them address that one hole a little bit more. He's raw, but outside of McBride and Dulcich, I'd say Jelani Woods was probably the best tight end prospect coming out. I just, I don't know. I I like him. I think his ceiling as a pass, as a receiver is going to be pretty high, but I also liked the, uh, the Maryland safety Nick cross at 96. I felt like it was really solid value. I'll give it a B. Like I, I don't think it was the, the flashiest draft, but I think they did pretty good given where they were at and kind of some of the guys that were available. As yeah. far as receivers go, I know he didn't flash like a lot of the other receivers did collegially, but Alec Pierce does feel like a pro receiver to me. Like he feels like a guy that you can just count on to move the sticks reliably and you know sixty catches, a couple of touchdowns, and just it's going to be solid. Right. Yeah. I guess like if if. Matt Ryan can like unlock Paris Campbell, then maybe you're having a different conversation. But again, like he's just done nothing. Like they're just so unproven, even including Hilton's still on the roster. He's still a free agent. So I guess if they bring him back, then you have Pittman, Hilton, Pierce, and then Kiki Kuti and these other guys. But they're still missing a guy. They really just need Paris Campbell to, to do something. I think yeah. that's their best route here. I mean, I love Michael Pittman and I love Alec Pierce. I don't think any of those guys are number one guys, though. So you're kind of have, having to do receiver by committee here moving forward. Uh, they're going to need to get a guy, I think, at some point. I, I, they do. They're, I bet they sign one of these guys. There's so many receivers left. OBJ would OBJ change his out offense. There. Yeah, yep. sure. I jumped the gun a little bit, but uh, I want to talk about the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I think they had the most shocking pick of the entire NFL draft, which was Cole Strange at number 29. Mm-hmm. Offensive guard of UT Chattanooga. Go online, watch Dre's reaction from the live show. Um, I like Cole Strange. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be a starting offensive NFL guard. I also think they could have drafted him at 85 where they took Marcus Jones. So I don't really understand it. I I don't really understand anything that they did in this draft. I don't get why they went after Western Kentucky Bailey Zapp unless they just want to stash him. That is kind of like a classic Patriots, Ryan Mallett, 
Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll just bring in a guy. Maybe he turns out to be something. Maybe we can turn him into an asset down the line. Worst case, it's just another body for the QB room. But it feels weird given they have an experienced backup and they have Mac Jones, their QB of the future. So I just don't really understand it. My favorite pick was South Dakota State running back Pierre Strong. He's a beast. Dude ran all over CSU. Not that that's very hard to do. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't really understand this one. And that's that's most years with New England, right? Like they they do their own thing. It's baffling. At least they trade down, right, uh, to get yeah. strange. And we talked about how the Jags and Packers might have just sniped them with Devin Lloyd, mm. Quay Walker. There's so much talent left on the board, though, at safety, at edge when they take Cole Strange, and he's just an undersized older prospect. I think the most, more egregious picks are the two later picks in day two. Tyquan Thornton in front of yep. some stud wide receivers, Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, to just name a couple. Marcus Jones, the undersized 5'8", 174, Houston corner that they take in the third round. I mean, you're basically – it's a special team. You're, you're valuing a special team. I had to Google him. I was like I – re- I, once I Googled him, I recognized him and was like, oh, yeah, that's him. But I was like, wait, they just took him in the third round? And, I mean, in fairness, a lot of cornerbacks have gone by that point, and they get Jack Jones later, who's a much more high upside guy. Um, but Tyreek Wollin's still on the board. Joshua Williams, who the Chiefs took and blew up the combine. Damari Mathis, who's a 4-3 athlete. Kobe Bryant, who was playing opposite Sauce Gardner and had an amazing season, just to name a few corners still around on the board at that point. I really thought that was just a horrendous pick. They kind of salvaged some things day three. Um, And look, Kevin Harris I like. Um, Jack Jones I think is really intriguing. Pierre Strong's really intriguing. Andrew Stuber is actually a really good pick. The Michigan tackle in the seventh. Um, And far be it for me to say they don't understand value. Uh, They've got like assistant, former assistant coaches all over the NFL, former GMs all over the NFL. Like they have much better sources and Intel than we have. It's, it just doesn't line up with my board. I mean, even slightly, this is a D plus one top hundred guy. That's it. Yeah, uh, I, you guys basically nailed it. Um, I like the Jack Jones pick. the The Bailey Zappy pick is the the most interesting one to me. I, in, do you say inexcusable? Absolutely. You have your quarterback. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and here's yeah, what I keep going back to. Here's what I keep going back to. There was a game. I can't remember which one. I think it was the Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss and. Well, Liberty game and they were playing and maybe it was a few weeks later that somebody tweeted and I'm not going to say who it is but somebody tweeted like how are we talking about all these guys but it's so crazy to bring up Bailey Zapp as somebody who could be as good I was like yeah what a crazy thing to say you're totally wrong then this draft happens and all these guys fall and it makes you wonder because Bailey Zapp was so productive and because he comes from an offense where they make multiple reads and so, like, the idea that he could be running a more complex offense, again, like, he has some serious physical limitations, but as an insurance piece to Mac Jones, in the fourth round, I don't mind that pick at all. Now, I mean, Sam Howell's sitting right there. Sam Howell's a one-read quarterback who wants to run the football. 
And so, like, if you don't see that as the best scheme fit for your Patriots offense, I can't blame you there. So I I kind of sneaky really like the Bailey Zap pick, but the the Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, Marcus Jones, I mean, basically everything else is awful. And you're not going to redeem it by drafting a backup quarterback in the end of the fourth round. This is a C minus. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of don't want to give my thoughts on this class because I feel like Bill's just going to embarrass us and prove us all yeah. wrong here in a couple of years. Um, with that being said, though, Tyquan Thornton at 50 overall, just for the 4-2 speed is, I mean, it's like Al Davis type stuff here. Not to mention that this is probably the most lackluster and just bad receiving core in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you traded for Devontae Parker, um, and you got a third, I think, in that trade. You also got another third when uh, Carolina traded up for Matt Corral. Uh, they got a twenty a twenty twenty three third. So you got you earned some capital with this class, which is solid enough. Um, Marcus Jones, the guy for Houston, yeah, really undersized. He actually battled pretty well with Alec Pierce in that game early, early in the season against Cincinnati. Um, but day three is actually fairly solid. I mean, I hate the Zappy pick, but I like Pierre Strong. Uh, Kevin Harris was a beast at South Carolina and then Andrew Stuber. They didn't, they draft, uh, who was the tackle that they drafted or it was Micah Wenu out of, uh, Michigan in the sixth round a couple of years ago. And then they right. go with Stuber now. Um, I mean, those Mich- Michigan offensive linemen are pretty solid yeah. prospects and they, uh, they can play, man. Uh, so don't hate that. I mean, that being said though, C minus man. I mean, I just can't really get behind this class at all. Yeah, it's a depth class, lots of running backs, lots of corners. The Al Davis type pick with Thornton. We shall see. New York Jets get Sauce Gardner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, Jermaine Johnson at 26. Really, really productive first round. Then they go and get Brees Hall at 36, Jeremy Rucker at 101, the Ohio State tight end, and then wrap up with Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens. I thought this was a really solid draft for the Jets team. I think they added potentially like at, with Gardner and Garrett Wilson, like cornerstone players on both offense and defense. And that's tough to do. They got a lot better. I, I think they did a really good job based on the talent that was available. And I, yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid a. Yeah. I, the Brees Hall pick is one of my favorites in the entire draft. I mean, uh, there's so few times when you should be spending a top 40 pick on a running back but this was absolutely one of them like when you have three picks before that and you get a whole bunch of high value players when you're the jets and you have literally nothing on offense and so now you have somebody who could just step in and be a 1200 yard rusher because you give him so many opportunities like they need somebody to eat touches and he will absolutely do that and i think he'll do it really well um you know ahmad gardner at four great pick garrett wilson at 10 great pick um, Jermaine Johnson, not my favorite pick, but again, you understand why they do it. And he was productive and I can't knock him for taking Jermaine Johnson at 26. Um, yeah, uh, a, I'm, I'm giving him just a straight up a, a tremendous class. I mean, you mm-hmm. get a lot of people's cornerback one, you get my wide receiver one, you get my second favorite edge, you get running back two for me, a lot of people's favorite running back, Brees Hall. And then you get a top five tight end and Jeremy Rucker too. Uh, Just a tremendous class. I mean, they stood pat at four and 10 overall, traded up to get Jermaine Johnson and Brees Hall. Uh, Love how they use their resources. Love how they're they're surrounding their quarterback. 
with talented pass catchers. They just reworked the tight end room. They signed Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzuma with Jeremy Rucker added into the fold. Uh, you add a pass rusher in Jermaine Johnson, who is violent and quick. Uh, they also signed Carl Lawson last year, who didn't even play it down. Uh, this is just a team. I mean, if it weren't for Buffalo, they'd be a, a worst to first team for me. But um, Buffalo is quite a big hurdle to clear at this point in time. I'm really excited to watch this football team, though. This is an A. This is probably my favorite draft class. They certainly get the value. They also have a lot of really high picks, right? Seven picks, none lower than mm-hmm. the fifth, mm-hmm. uh, three first rounders. I mean, so you had to come away with that, and they do. They have uh, three first round or two first round grades for me, three top 20 guys, and four top 80 guys. I mean, Mitchell, I think, is great value as well. I thought for Robert Sala's scheme going corner that high doesn't totally line up. Um, I thought you could have got Kobe Bryant and Tyreek Woolen to fit that scheme similarly, and you could have doubled down on edge rushers, which is, of course, what made all the difference for Sala's defense in San Francisco. But I really like Clemens in the fourth, and Jermaine Johnson late first really salvages that. So uh, it's an intriguing team. It's an intriguing team that's kind of set themselves up uh, – to potentially compete at least next year, you know, be, be a 500 club, be in most games and not be just a laughing stock. It's yep. all going to come down to Zach Wilson once again, but at least you have him somewhat set up for to succeed. Buffalo, the other, well, one of the other teams in New York, I guess uh, they go with Kyir Elam trade up for the Florida corner at number 23 Come back and get James Cook, Georgia running back at 63. A couple other guys. I like Khalil Shakir, the Boise State wide receiver. Buffalo seems to be in on the Mountain West now. Uh, they also end up with the punt guy, Matt Ariza, the San Diego State punter that everybody loves so much. I think this was a good draft class. I think adding James Cook makes a lot of sense based on what they needed. I also think they needed another corner. Solid. You know, I'd give it a solid, like, B, B minus. Um Felt like they could have done a little bit more with some of those uh, day three picks, but early on, I, I really liked what they did, especially. I'll, yeah, I'll give um, them a. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, nice. go 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 go. Okay, uh, I'll give them a C plus. C plus for me, yeah. And Kyrie Elam is a solid pick, but he's, I mean, a solid pick at twenty three. Congrats, you did your job there. James Cook, like I, a lot of people like him. I still have my questions between the tackles and then in terms of like in the passing game, is is he worth a pick that high? I'm still not so sure, but I, I can't remember who was on the board. Isaiah Spiller, that's who I wanted them to take there. I thought Spiller in that offense could be somebody who could eat a lot of touches, um, but I know I'm in the minority there. Um, outside of that, nothing really stands out. Like Balen Specter in the seventh. I like him. He's a good athlete. Wouldn't be surprised if he's, but again, the seventh round pick isn't going to overwhelm me. Just not, not a lot of my guys in here. So C plus. I mean, you traded up from 25 to 23 to get Kyrie Elam and you only gave up a fourth rounder, which is pretty solid uh, team building there. Um, you draft Shakir, but honestly, I think the biggest takeaway is I think Gabe Davis is finally ready for that wide receiver two crown because all they drafted was Shakir. They didn't draft another wide receiver. When you argue, when you could have argued that they uh, could have used one, and when you're able to take 
uh, Riza with one of your day three picks. I mean, this team is really just kind of rounding out the roster. So, uh, James Cook projects to be a guy that could be, you know, fairly decent impact uh, year one. But yeah, I mean, this team is just so good all around. They kind of just plug really needed guys. Yeah, I mean, you potentially get two starters, which would be huge out of this with your top two picks. Um, it's a C plus, like Hank was saying. It's three top hundred picks, only two top hundred talents, decent depth, but no one I really love. I thought Shakir, with how all the other speedsters and gadget guys were going kind of earlier, was actually a pretty good value in the fifth for an offense that can definitely utilize his vertical speed and already as Isaiah McKenzie um, to complement, you know, the 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 consolidated number one and number two receivers and Diggs and Davis. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count out Khalil Shakir being that wide receiver too. I'll I'll just say that his hands are insane, great athlete, and he hasn't he hasn't had the quarterback like Hank Bachmeyer is fine. Like he's you know he's a fine college quarterback, but I just think Shakir with Josh Allen has the potential to be pretty lethal, especially if they can just give him time and and let Shakir get downfield because he is a phenomenal uh, deep ball target. Hank, go ahead. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, only question with Shakira is just like the underneath stuff. Like yep. like can he can he get the ball and make people miss in short, which I mean there, there's isn't a whole lot of that. And he was a more high volume guy this year, but if if they do if they if he can do those Isaiah McKenzie things, then yeah, that's a great pick. And if not, then he can get over the top and get wide open, then that's a great pick. But if he's kind of that tweener, then I mean then that's why he fell to the 5th round. But yeah, he's he's an exciting one. You just need to use him a little bit differently, I think. They also signed Jalen Watermeyer um, as an undrafted free agent. So crazy how far his stock fell, man. If we're talking like people were not five second him in the forty first does round you. from yeah, I know it makes total sense, but it's just but, interesting now, to see him free fall. You add that to the mix, SEC studs like James Cook, Kyrie Elam, Watermeyer. You know some mm-hmm. of those guys stick. This this really good team's only going to get better. Um, so. And then the most absentee, boring class of the entire AFC. Yeah, we uh, we saved the worst for last. It was not, yeah. you know, this wasn't. Uh, hey, let's let's you know tease this big segment so we can talk about Miami. Oh, their uh, their first pick, one hundred and two overall, Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall, who at one hundred and two, a good pick. Love him. Yes. Good job. Yes. Yep. After that, they uh, they get Zukuma, the the Texas Tech wide receiver. I'm pretty sure I butchered that name. And a California Edge Cameron Goody at number two twenty four, before rounding out their fourth and final pick, Kansas State quarterback Skylar Thompson at number two forty seven. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I watched okay. a lot of Kansas State. I have a lot of family out there. They are my upset team in the Big Twelve to bet on. The fact that he got drafted is insane. Okay, is it more insane he got drafted or that the 49ers took Brock Purdy with Mr. Irrelevant like four picks later or whatever it was? Because both of those guys, Purdy I never watched either of those guys and said NFL quarterback. These, like, you know what I mean? Like, sure? Thompson's a better athlete. Like, I wonder if they're going to have him change positions, to be honest. Like, I think he might be a wide receiver. Eh. But yeah, I, I mean, that's that's about it with Miami. I think they're thinking of him as Taysom Hill, right? Maybe diversify that offense a little bit. Yeah, just a gadget give, guy. Offer a change up to Tua, you know, who, um, 
Yeah, I I love the Tyndale pick though. It's he was a borderline top fifty guy, and this is a team. I mean, they had they had two picks that weren't in the seventh round, so you can't expect much. It's it's a C. C's get degrees, and they might have a potential starting linebacker out of this class. Shit, you'll take it. Totally, I, I I'll give him a B minus. I think it's again if you got a grade on a pick for pick basis, and that means that they have two picks that matter took a high upside receiver with one took a linebacker with a good value above that. It, I honestly, like, I don't, I, it's just hard to give him more than that. Like, but on a pick per pick basis, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, why not? I guess you do wait the seventh rounders a little bit more and those, neither those excite me. I don't know. You just can't give him more than a B minus. I feel like despite yeah, Tyndall being I, a great value. I gave him a C plus just for that fact that I couldn't really give them anything higher than that. I mean, we have to mention they did trade most of their class away for Tyreek Hill. So they will be getting an impact player with those assets, but yeah. Yeah. They've loaded up on the draft the last few years. This was the year where they paid the Piper. It's also Mm -hmm. just one of those arguments where, I mean, you can use it to elevate the draft class. If you really love what they did with Tyreek Hill or, you could argue that in a year where there were a ton of really great receivers, they gave up a ton of draft capital and then paid out the ass to True. keep him. So I, you know, who knows? I, I'm not shocked they did it. You got to do something, right? Like that Dolphins team has just been irrelevant for 20 years now, probably longer. Like they just, yeah. they have not been a factor at all outside of like the quirky New England upset that they seem to pull off every couple of years to like screw up New England's seating that's been the only thing that's mattered for Miami in like two decades. So mm-hmm. I hope it pans out just to see something different, but uh, I got, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not, not super high on Miami's ceiling with Tua. I love him. He was a fun college quarterback. I don't think he's been the same player since those injuries. And I just yeah. think that he's looked like a quarterback that plays scared. And I don't think you can win that way. Yeah, Waddle I'd... on a semi-historic pace last year. Barely <laughs> anyone talked about nobody it. Even, nobody shape. cared. Yeah. was such a stud. So if Tua can figure some things out, that receiving core can be bananas. And it's they a good offensive line, too. Wilson. Like, they've got a lot of good players on the offensive line. It's just that, like, so so run Choney Michelle behind him? Like, eh, Well, and it sounds like it was a disaster with what they were doing. Like, they were talking about how they didn't change the offense at all to make it towards Tua, and then they were switching quarterbacks and not shifting anything. So it's, it was just a dumpster fire. So I, I might be being a little bit aggressive here, but we'll see. Yeah. They have not mattered. Thank you to everybody for listening to the DNVR draft podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll be back. We still got to talk about the NFC grades. We've got all kinds of stuff to go over these next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the transfer portal. Uh, it sounds like NIL stuff's about to get real complicated. We'll see what happens with USC and Jordan Atkinson and, and all that stuff. It's, it's the wild, wild west out there, and we are going to be there to cover it all. Much love to all of you. Hope you enjoy the sunshine this week. Peace. Peace.